Hi, it's Paul. Welcome to the Pylon Ultrapod. We are at the end of Series 6 now and I've already finished the shorter sprint episodes, which I hope you've been enjoying. We wanted to try and deliver some really useful and thought-provoking content in the short episodes so that with just a 10-minute or less listen, you could walk away with something useful to think about for the rest of your day or week or longer, depending on how useful any of it was. So in summary, we wanted to talk about the role of confidence when it comes to training, racing and life. And we broke these down broadly into what role does confidence play? How can self-talk help or hinder? How can you buy into the positive self-talk? What threats to confidence should we, should we be aware of? And what tools should you have to build self-belief and confidence overall? James also talked about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which I guess is a big part of what we do here at Pylon and what most ultra runners have to accept from the get-go. Um, as with the last series, we promised to do a longer episode where James and I could chat through in more detail anything that cropped up in the sprints and how different people will be affected in different ways. So hopefully learning more from each other and agreeing some new ways to tackle the daily challenges that we all face. So in order to crack on with the episode, let's get James on now. If you haven't listened to the short episodes already, I suggest you hit stop and go listen to them first. I put up a mega mix of them into a single episode <laughs> last week, <clears throat> which is the quickest way to get through them. Um, if you fancy doing that first, then uh, that might be a good place to start. James, how are you doing? I'm very good, Paul. I'm chuckling away. Meg mega mix. I, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. I remember there was a Greece mega mix and it was a medley, all this, the hits from Greece. Um, it so, just reminds yeah, me of good. Jive Bunny, James. Jive Bunny. Ah, Jive yeah, Bunny? yeah. There's a, a, yeah. an interesting fact talked about them. They were the only the second band in history of their first three songs go straight to number one in the UK charts. There you go. Really? First, yeah, yeah. No, a third band. Um, and it was Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Jerry and the Pacemakers were the other two. So there you go. Um, Somebody's been doing a few pub quizzes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so how am I doing? Yeah, mega mix and I mentioned Greece, so I guess I've got chills and they're multiplying. Anyway, that's enough of that. I'm good, mate. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay, thanks, mate. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy time as usual. We had XP6 a few weeks ago, um, which went really well in the Lake District, So, um, and then I had to travel back here. So, yeah, it's been a busy time. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of good, good comments and good feedback and seen some good stuff about XP6 and... It feels like it feels like ages ago, but it was so close. Well, actually, uh, it feels like a really good time uh, to get you to have a conversation about confidence with you having a race coming up at the weekend. Um, and I thought this clever planning and scheduling would help us to unlock some of the areas that we covered in the sprints. Hence the delay in recording. Honestly, it's all it's all been well planned and choreographed that way. Honestly, um, so I'm just keen to understand how you're feeling this week with it being race week. Yeah. Um. So I mean, training wise, trained really, really well. Um. You know, I look at numbers a lot, and I guess we'll talk about this from a confidence point of view. Um. Mm. And when I look back at comparative training blocks, you know, everything's everything's in its right place. Um. And I've got no worries about that. So I don't have any concerns about having missed anything in training um feeling really good work is exceptionally busy as it always is mm -hmm. life's exceptionally mm -hmm. busy um but mainly because of things i choose to do not because of things i'm i'm being forced upon me so i don't complain about that it is i was gonna say it is what it is I, i'm really a big fan of that phrase it is of my choosing and my design and my control so yeah everything's mm -hmm. everything's feeling good um I have a big long list of things on my um my iPad here of things I need to get done this week, from mm -hmm. uh, you know booking taxis to checking in um and all that kind of good stuff. But I'll get them done in the first couple of days of the week so that you know the second half of the week's just really clear to think about. You know, I mean I want to clear clear the decks from any work I've got to do so I can just go down there and run with a clear mind, and yeah. um, enjoy being in some great company because I've not I've not done that for a wee while. Yeah, but I believe you have to do a bit of work on Friday as well. I've got quite a lot on um, with some stuff that's landing over the next few weeks. So um, when I get to Bedford on Friday morning, um, I'll find a, I need to find a quiet space. I've got about four or five calls. The last one's mm -hmm. running up till six at night. So, um, But in a funny sort of way, Paul, that that's actually a, a kind of positive distraction in the sense that mm -hmm. um, it's not like it's physical hard labour and it's going to take away my physical energy. 
and it's stuff that's enjoyable to do so it's not like it's just like it's just a scheduling thing but in many ways it means i won't be sitting in my own head thinking about the race and it's a 400 meter yeah. lap right? it's not like i need to check maps or anything yeah. i just need to yeah. make sure that i've got my, my shoes on i've put some vaseline in the right places and i'm ready to run yeah yeah okay okay um so this was our opportunity obviously to have a conversation about the sprint episodes i think we did five um, and it was broadly talking about confidence which i guess is really about self-belief and i think i covered what we define as confidence and self-belief maybe in the first episode suggesting that it's not absolutely set in stone and with some conscious work it can be built and it can be improved upon and it also continuously needs to be worked on too because it doesn't always stay static so one thing that really stood out to me that i think is especially relevant for you being very close to your training and obviously having um, worked with you as a coach for many years is a small throwaway comment i noticed in the first episode right and it was about enjoying the process where um when talking about building confidence and i'm not entirely sure what comes first right so research suggests that confident athletes enjoy what they're doing but there's also an argument that those who enjoy what they're doing build more confidence and self-belief um, and with those positive feelings obviously and positive emotions uh, performances tend to flow much better um, and i'll be honest that's what i've seen in you especially this year in your training and I wondered if you thought that's been an important factor for you in, in training so well because I, I, I seldom hear from you you know saying I'm really tired or I struggled to get out this morning to go and do a session actually I had a conversation with somebody recently James and um, they kind of said oh James is he is he in good shape for the race and stuff and I said yeah yeah and uh, how do you think he'll get on and I'm like almost if if James it doesn't go to plan, James will have enjoyed the training and and just move on after that kind of thing. So I, I wondered if you could maybe talk a wee bit about that because you're you're kind of unique in that way. I think it's a bit of a just circle. It's almost if you go back to the language I just used about working on Friday, um, about the fact that I'm it's of my design and of my choosing. I choose to train and I choose to race. It's not like I'm no one forces me to do it. So. I enjoy it because it's something I choose to do. I never wake up in the morning and think, oh, no, I've got this session to do or what have you. I'm usually anticipating it from a couple of days out. I'm looking forward to it because I enjoy doing that. And for me, it's like process over outcome, right? Like a race is only one day. A training block of, say, 16 weeks, that's, what, 112 days. So if you view the whole block that you've just been through by that one-day experience, then you're going to be missing a lot of gold. You're going to be missing a lot of great stuff that's happened if that one day didn't go well. And that one day might not go well because you went to, you pick up a bug or you know something happens on race day or just something doesn't go the way you want. Mm -hmm. And even if it didn't go well because there's things you could have done better in the 112 days or in the training block beforehand, to use that kind of twee phrase, then maybe you've learned on that one day the thing you can apply to your next block. So as long as I, I always look at it positively and it's like that that whole thing where you know people say I, I hear it often like if you say you're tired you will be tired and you'll probably be more yeah. tired than you actually are yeah. whereas if it's kind of like that classic thing where if someone's in a at the end of a race and they're chasing someone down who's five meters ahead chances are they'll close the gap because they'll, they'll find that extra effort and if you can have that mindset where, you, you know, you're chasing down something that might not even be physically there, I think it can make all the difference. It's just how you think. So, I, yeah, I, I totally, Paul, I, I, like for me, what happens in the race on Saturday, secondary, what happened in training, trains went really well. So it gives me the confidence that I'm getting into the race where I've done everything I can. And then on the day, hopefully pieces will fall into place. But when you're running 100 miles, right, you're, you know, you can have all the confidence you can have all the great mindset and all that in the world you want but you need some luck as well and sometimes you don't get that luck and you can't control that so you shouldn't sweat it yeah that's an interesting point you talk about like people who expect to be or think they're tired all the time are generally more tired um, and yeah. i read something recently I, I don't know if you've read that book expectation effect i think that's what it's called um, I'm no, kind of a no. quarter way through it, but there was a study in, in there around um, testing people who were actually getting less sleep than um, the other half of the research group. 
but they were quite positive people. So they went to bed with the expectation that they're going to wake up feeling refreshed. And they were actually getting less sleep than the other group. And they were actually had more energy during the day. So there's definitely something in that, um, managing that expectation effect. It's interesting you kind of mentioned that, to be honest. That, that's, uh, it's back to that, you know, there was one in one of the sprint pods, I think the second one, I um, talked about the, the study that was in Matt, um, Matt Fitzgerald's book about yeah. how people were given, that, were given water and told it was super oxygenated water. Um, and as a result, they all perform better. And it's like a slight trick of the mind, right? So there is like genuine physiological stuff, but there is a psychological side of it as well. The physiological stuff will ultimately win over over time, but you can definitely, definitely amplify and improve your outcomes simply by how you maybe are thinking about them as you approach them. Like instead of saying, I'm tired today, is thinking I've got a challenge to overcome, let's overcome it. And you get the confidence from being able to overcome it as opposed to a Let's say you go, let's just break this down. You go into a session, you go, I'm tired going into this. And then you run the session tired. You go into a session going, I'm tired going into this, but I'm going to actually push it and overcome that tiredness and still perform. And then you perform and you think, how well could I do if I wasn't this tired? So then you go and manage your your energy level going into the next session and maybe perform even better because you take that confidence with you. And in many ways, it's just about proof points to yourself. Different people need different proof points, but that's what I sometimes think about when I'm when I'm tired and like I was tired this morning getting up because yeah. Kaylin's been, been ill for the last twenty four hours, um. But I still went out and ran a session. That's that's what you do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So self talk then. I think you covered most of the self talk stuff probably in the second episode, like like you mentioned, and I think we could maybe cut through some of this. Um, and by self talk, we're probably uh, well. I think we're referring to that kind of dialogue that goes on in an athlete's mind where it's interpreting their feelings, their emotions, their perceptions and their convictions, how well they're going to do in that particular session. And these conversations can play a few distinct roles, like they can be simple instructions like, you know, relax, just relax, everything's going to be okay or keep moving steady up this hill. Or they can be just kind of straightforward encouragement. You've only got another mile to the next aid station. You're doing really well. I did really well in that section. Um, and they can all be really beneficial, obviously, and help us to stay focused and maybe put our attention in the right place and not be so distracted when we're racing. Where I maybe struggle more is dealing with the the huge volume of negative conversations that we probably have and, and how we can hang on to stuff from weeks or months or years before almost to kind of self-sabotage, you know, like like loads of people have gone to a race thinking, oh, I DNF'd in that last race, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my training and then they get to the start of the next race and it's still a hangover, it's still playing in their mind regularly, I DNF'd in that last race, I got it wrong or something I didn't do right. So have you got any thoughts on, on, on why we, I don't know if it's self-sabotage, maybe that's too extreme, I don't know, but like, we, we certainly listen more, I think, to the negative comments than, than we do the positives. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's just grounded in, I mean, back to the old flight or fight mindset, right? It's almost like yeah. for some people, allowing self-talk to come in protects them from the pressure of expectation. So it's mm-hmm. almost like, I'm, go- I'm going to run really poorly today. That mm-hmm. means I don't need to worry about meeting yeah. to someone else's expectations. And I think as well, for some I mean, look, I think it's just natural. You, you this negative self talk is always louder. It's just louder. It's like the heavy metal of um, <laughs> self talk. You know, the classical music is the positive stuff. It's it's beautiful, mm. but often not listened to because it just yeah, can't cut the noise. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. And you sometimes have to. I think you sometimes have to go searching for it, and you have to mine for it. And then when you hear it, you have to hold on to it. And and I think for a lot of people, sometimes the the reason the negative stuff is there more is, is the emotional scars from the negative stuff tend to be deeper as well. It's easier to dismiss success to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a fluke or it was whatever. You, you see, sometimes people might do really well and they're like, oh, I can't believe I'll, that happened. Um, mm. Whereas um, rather than saying, I can believe that happened because I worked really hard, I trained really well and I earned the right for that. And the stars fell, you know, that, that bit that you can, can't control the luck. You can minimise your reliance on luck because you can train really well, because that means you need less luck and all that kind of great stuff. But you're always there's always an element of uncontrollable. Um, and I think for some people, because the negative stuff tends to um, hurt us more, we tend to just hold on to it a bit more. It's harder to brush off. And I, and I think for, for people, the phrase I would use a lot is, is be a wee bit more forgiving 
um, when it comes to you know self talk and even when you find yourself getting into a negative spot is is forgive yourself for thinking like that and then try and move through it and whatever means works for you but I just think it's natural Paul because that's the way we've evolved as human beings to be a bit more cautious we've always been looking out for threats and then when it comes to uh, our training we maybe or not training or racing we maybe just maybe allow those threats to add pressure um, or remove pressure in the sense of remove pressure of expectation for some people so they go allow the threat in and here's my excuse for not hitting what I wanted to and for others it can just become a wee bit debilitating right for some I know some people who won't race unless they feel guaranteed they'll get a, the outcome they want and I think that's mm-hmm. not a good place to be that's negative self-talk probably getting away of enjoying the sport they do yeah, it's an interesting point. There's probably many more athletes in that situation than than you would realise. I think. You know something? It's maybe a, it's maybe a question we should ask people, um, just to say if you if have you ever skipped a race because you didn't the outcome wasn't what you wanted it to be because you just thought you couldn't rather than you felt you should. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I mean, even maybe. I mean, we we've seen it in races as well, haven't we? We've seen the elites you know, be in the top five for halfway through the race and then something goes wrong, they blow up and they technically could finish the race, but they choose not to because they're not going to meet their expectation of finishing in the top five. And, and yeah, you, you see that You see that often. And I mean, getting into this race at the weekend, and I, I'll put it on here now, is this one, one thing, I'm, no matter what happens, I will, well, let me rephrase that. As long as I'm not physically debilitated, you know, if I lose a leg, I'm not going to finish the race. But, no matter what happens, I'll, I'll I'll complete that that event. Yeah, there's no reason not to. So if I'm feeling ill or poorly or my pace is off or whatever it might be, unless something physically takes me out of the race, I'll be completing that race. Um, that's the mindset I'll begin mm-hmm. with. And I don't care whether I complete it two hours slower than I expect to. I'll be completing that race. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I guess some of the stuff on the positive self-talks is kind of the crux for me and I think it's easy to to maybe watch some of those motivating YouTube videos that you've probably seen with the just never give up do it for yourself voiceovers and the epic music and shots of an athlete really pushing themselves and um, like a kind of rocky in his grey tracksuit montage and it's it's fine and I think in the moment it's pro- it maybe gets you out the door or maybe it helps you decide that you're going to sign up to the spin class tomorrow the next day whatever um, but just talking to yourself positively doesn't really silence those doubts and if you're not able to really believe what you're telling yourself it's not really going to elevate your performances so how do you think me or anyone else could go about buying into the self-talk I think yeah, self, positive self-talk is um, fantastically, fantastically powerful, right? Um, in, a, in, a, in a positive way, no pun intended. And negative self-talk can be massively destructive in a negative way. Um, but both can be equally um, harmful if they're at the very extreme ends. Because negative self-talk can be enough to the catalyst to take the right action to, to change that mindset and that talk and actually to change your performance. And there's almost like if you could draw it like a like a Venn diagram, in the, in the middle, actually positive and negative self-talk have a place because negative self-talk might identify areas you need to work on. Positive self-talk might be the thing that helps you get out of bed or you just use the Rocky montage moment. Usually positive self-talk's a catalyst and a start point or maybe a push point. And negative self-talk might be a point where you identify things. But at their extreme ends, they can be really bad. Like if positive self-talk flips over into delusion, where it's mm. like, I'm going to run a 20-minute 5K, right, for example, but you've never even ran a sub-four-minute kilometre in your life. Yeah. Um, you'll run that first kilometre, and very quickly your mindset is going to go from yeah. positive to negative, right? Because yeah. it has to be grounded in some sort of sense of reality. And that, that's where positive self-talk has to have an anchor point. And two, two things for me. One, in your purpose and your why, and two, in the reality of your current condition. Um, and, you know, like, say for example, say for example me, right, a sub 20 minute 5K, 5K could do, I could walk out of bed and do that any day of the week, right? E- easy, pretty easy to do it. Do it, probably do it most weeks as part of intervals and training runs, right? If I was injured for six months, yeah. 20 minute 5K might be the pinnacle of my present condition and ambition. So, it's about 
that point being about about your present circumstances as well. So you sometimes see this with people who maybe look at their performances from two, three, four years ago, and they can't get themselves away from that, even though a lot's happened in between to to change their current mm. condition. So I just think, like for me, is, is actually making sure that you've got the right level of perspective in it. And when you hear you hear and see or you feel that self talk, that you look at it with a a pragmatic lens. And that's not easy for people, Paul, right? Especially because it's their yeah. own person they're talking to. I mean, I don't know if you've ever you've ever felt that where you felt the extremes on either side. It's like this is perfect and I'm gonna rock the world and then you don't get anywhere near it. And that can very quickly flip you back to the negative because you you know, not only do you go, I'm physically not where I thought I was meant to be, but I've been kidding myself on or I've been deluding myself for a while. I don't know if you've ever experienced that yourself. I, you see it a lot with athletes. I think it's athletes that you coach, and I'm sure you're the same as well. It's like, I, I, d- I don't know why. I don't know why we seem to struggle to take a step back and, and say, okay, my intention when I signed up for whatever race, let's just say it's the West Elmway race, just for, uh, for namesake, and, and you started training 10 months before it, and you've got this, I'm going to run it in 18 hours or something, and something happens you just didn't have the time that you thought you were going to have to train or whatever like we, we we seem so reluctant to take a step back and go well my my goal for that race has to change and that's okay it's like we still hold on to that well i'm still going to try and run it in 17 hours even though i can't i wasn't able to commit what i thought i was going to be able to commit and i don't know why we do that is it just the, like a we think it's going to turn out magically on the day or something even though we know that we haven't been able to put in the training that's required in order to run that kind of time. I think so. I think as well, we 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 often set out, like that. this is part of why process over outcome is really important, as we were talking about earlier on. We'll set out this arbitrary time target based on, sometimes in a race like the West Highland Wave, which for anyone who doesn't know is nearly 100 miles with about 5,000 metres of climb um, over some quite rock, well, mainly runnable, but, you know, quite challenging terrain at times. Um, so if you've never been on a course, you don't really have perspective anyway. Um, but we then start to put these arbitrary times down and we become locked into them. And rather than going, look, my aim is actually more about the experience um, and than, than, than the actual time. And what I want to experience is a strong run um, where I get to um, feel good about myself the whole way through. I eat and drink well and I finish strong. And I'll often talk to athletes um, about say they're doing a 24 hour race or a 100 mile race i'll often talk to them about take a take stock of where you are halfway and aim to finish further up the field at the end than you were halfway because that'll probably be a positive experience because you'll be passing people you'll be working your way through the field Mm. you'll be stronger in the second half and sometimes that helps ground them in their their first half effort which is i think what can destroy a lot of races because positive self-talk can often lead itself towards um, over 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 exertion early in races, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. But I think we just we just get locked in in these numbers because numbers become the thing in which we judge ourselves or what what maybe we're judged outside of ourselves with. Um, become a way to talk about something. I have ran a sub three marathon. I've ran a sub twenty minute five k. I've ran sub sixteen hours for a hundred miles. Whatever it might be, um, and and sometimes it's probably the least important thing. It's just I've ran a hundred miles. I've ran five k. You know, and I trained really yeah. well, and I and I enjoyed it. That's the point, and that goes all the way back to your first point about um, you tend to if you enjoy something, you tend to um perform better and train better for it. Sometimes we we maybe change the enjoyment or something to the hours, minutes, and seconds it takes rather than the process and um the the stretch that we 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 underwent to get there. I, and I would genuinely, if for anyone listening, I would genuinely reframe your thinking about racing towards being about the experience, um, rather than the time, um, especially if you're not someone who's at the front of the, the front of the field. Just enjoy the event. Yeah, I think you've actually, for me, you've been, you've really highlighted the difference between positive self-talk and confidence. So that example that they're going into the race, they haven't done the training. You can still be talking to yourself in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do this. This is going to be great. I'm still going to run 17 hours. But actually, you don't have the confidence because you haven't done the training to back it up. So your confidence isn't real. You're just you're just going through the motions of of spitting out some positive self talk, which is ultimately is going to be found out eventually if you if you don't really have the confidence as a foundation. They're absolutely not siloed concepts, right? Your confidence 
your confidence should breed into your self-talk because you've built the confidence through proving it in your training, as you've just described. Mm. And then your self-talk goes back into your confidence because then you say it and then it actually comes out in your performance. So you then go, actually, my process that I then leaned on then proved correct. So that builds your confidence up. So it's about creating those proof points. And, and this is the thing as well, Paul. A lot of confidence can be built from what doesn't go well as well because that can give you new data and new insight. Or it can tell you where your, your current limits are so you then know the level of um, confidence that you should have over what your performance might be. And if I said to someone, are you confident you could run an eight-minute mile when they're a seven-minute mile, or they would be like 100% confident that I can. Um, so they would go out and do that, and they would feel good at the end of it. They'd probably run under eight-minute miles and feel feel really good. So they take that positive experience into their, 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 next, um, their next venture. And, I, and it's just you build that confidence through proof points. You build it through just mm. allowing yourself to succeed, but not then having catastrophic failure, which is what I think there's a difference between failure as in trying to run, say, the 20-minute 5K and you're on 20.01 versus trying to run 20-minute 5K but never having run a sub-4-minute K and you're on 28 minutes. That's catastrophic failure and that destroys your confidence. Whereas mm. if you run the 20.01, you think... I'm not far off this, I tweak here and I tweak there and I'm I'm going to be able to do that. Um, as yeah. opposed to going, you end up in that kind of sense of futility and hopelessness. So it's all about, I, I think for me, you're absolutely right, confidence and, and, and self-talk are intertwined massively, but they have to be grounded in some sort of evidence or in proof point, using data and using feeling to give you realistic confidence and realistic self-talk. Um, and that's the difference. Yeah, okay. Bear with me here, James. You're going to be half of my mind, right? So I, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a normal athlete. I'm the 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 doubting, lack of self confidence, and you're my positive self talk guy on the other side. So, uh, first scenario. These are kind of common things that you you uh, most athletes will probably connect with, I guess. But first one is I don't feel strong today. This workout doesn't really matter anyway. I'll just cut it short and I'll do it some other time. What what would be another way to frame that? I don't feel strong today. Just repeat that. I don't feel strong today. I don't feel strong today. This workout doesn't really matter anyway. I'm just going to cut it short and do it some other time. So it's funny. I, I, I've had that feeling. It may surprise you. There's often I've had that. And in fact, I had that um, at a session on Saturday. Um, I was doing... Um, I'll put the session into perspective for people. It was effectively 6K um, hard, 1K easy, 5K hard, 1K easy, 4K hard, then easy to finish. So it was this kind of um, almost reverse ladder type thing. Um, wasn't sure how I was feeling getting into it. It had been a tough week at work, etc. I got up and I said, I'll just run the first 6K on feel. And whatever the numbers are, that's what they are. I won't even check my watch. Um, I'll see how I'm feeling checked my watch, surprised myself. I was running exactly on the standard. I was running about half marathon pace for those 6K. Um, just running on fuel. Um, and then I'm halfway through the 5K and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I could probably I could probably just patch it here and go, that that's what my body was giving me today. I could maybe say to Paul, I've got a tight hamstring or a tight calf and Paul will be like, <laughs> yeah, you did the right thing by backing off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in reality, what I was getting at was, is I was maybe I just maybe just didn't have the guts for the push, and the mistake I made is I didn't take a gel with me, right? So I was starting to feel a bit of energy deficit. And mm -hmm. um, but then what I did was I actually changed my mindset to that and said, well, actually in races, as I was going through the one k between the the five k mm -hmm. and the four k pickups, in races you're going to feel that energy deficit and you're going to feel that doubt. So I challenged myself to try and run that four k faster than at a faster pace than I run the first six k, mm -hmm. which means I'm finishing stronger. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's what I did. Um, so what I did is instead of thinking about I don't feel strong today or I'm, I'm not for this, I'll cut it short, I actually reframed it as a challenge to prove to myself that I could. So instead of saying I don't feel strong today, I won't perform, I, I basically said I, I challenged myself to go, you're not, feeling that you don't, you're not feeling like you're flowing very well here and your energy is starting to dip. Um, let's see if you can push through that and prove, prove that you're stronger than you think. And that's what I did. So instead of instead of allowing the negative self talk to allow me to back off, I try I used it as a way to challenge myself to push harder. Does that make sense? It does, James. It does. That's um, really useful um, when talking about training. Now going back to my mind, uh, I'm 
at the start of this race, James. I've just taken off. Uh, the gun is gone and I'm already saying to myself, I really didn't put everything into my training. Maybe I missed some sessions and now I'm in this race and I feel underprepared. Is there a way you think you could maybe turn that round when you're in the moment or, or do things differently? Yeah, I mean, that's a really difficult one, right? Because the the scale the scale of a race because we we're usually dealing with people who let's say maybe run let's say the average race is eight hours could be anything from fifty mm. to eighty forty eight hours yeah. right yeah and but let's just say it's eight hours if you're feeling that within the first hour it's going to be a long shift you know for anyone listening on say like the fling if you're feeling like that and you haven't even got to the beach tree yet <laughs> you know it's going to be a long shift um and the and the difficulty is is that you're actually looking back over 16 weeks to use a training block here to um, then extrapolate out the next six hours, and six or seven hours. And the problem that you have is you can't change what's happened in the past. And that's the bit where you need to forgive yourself. So in many ways, how I would try and reframe that there is if I was running alongside you at that point, you were saying that, what I'd be saying to you is, is look, there's nothing you can do to change what's happened right up to this point, even what's happened in the last hour. Nothing you can do can change that. But what you can do is you can choose to take action to change the next six, seven, eight hours or whatever's going to happen experiencing this race. And if you feel underprepared, the number one thing you should start to do is is manage your effort in accordance with how prepared you feel. So instead of trying to run the eight hours you thought it would take you based on what you had at the start of your training block, if you now feel underprepared, just realign your targets. And in in many ways, I would just say don't have a target. What I want you to do is just try and run each other strong um, but within yourself, and then you push on from there. But let's just say we arbitrarily change the target from eight to nine hours, and then we just basically run the race on that basis. In a funny sort of way, this is what, what could happen to that individual. They, they could be trying to go for eight hours and run eight and a half, and it feels misery because they didn't get to the eight hours. They, they felt like yeah. they were pushing the whole way, and they probably had a massive decline towards the end. Or they reframe their target and put a nine-hour target in place, which let's say, as a minute, a mile slower for the purposes of this conversation. And then as they get towards the end, they start to feel strong and they feel good. They're overtaking people and they've not overexerted themselves. And they finish in eight and a half hours and they go from going, I'm half an hour slower than I thought I was going to be to I'm half an hour quicker than, than I thought my body had available to me. And their mindset flips from going, I'm taking confidence from that as opposed to I'm taking yeah, yeah. negativity. And the important thing with that is, is that that's back to this example of if that person that started a training block said, I'm going to do this race in eight hours, had a suboptimal training block, run eight and a half hours, they could go, I'm just not good enough to do this in eight hours. And it's like, no, you never trained well enough to do it in eight hours. That's okay. You're still good enough to do it in eight hours. Whereas if they then went, I went for nine hours and I did eight and a half, even on the back of really suboptimal training, imagine if I trained well, I could probably smash eight hours. Like the same result with how you get there can have such different outcomes not just how you get there physically but how you get there in terms of your your perception of the event yeah yeah it's it's really interesting and i think what 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 i've really encouraged a lot of ultra runners to do and i'm trying to get better at this as well is is to start to start easy and finish strong i just think it makes a massive difference to how you you view the experience that's a bit old school that view james that used to be when i first started running ultras that was like the way you should run an ultra but it's not the same these days people are all out from the start I, I agree with that. I, to, I, I see that, Paul. I think that's true at the front end. But if you're someone who's trying to do this because it's a hobby and it's yeah. a pastime yeah. and you want to get great experience from it, what would you want? Yeah. And and maybe maybe it's taken me to get a wee bit older, but I'm I'm finding that the you know the more I manage my effort, the better I seem to run. Yeah. 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 I think I think there could be just while we're on that before we uh, move on from um, the kind of self talk idea, there could be another example of athlete then who've actually had quite a good training block, but they go into the race thinking I could have maybe done a wee bit more, you know, and and maybe there was what one session that I didn't really push through, but um, and that can be quite damaging too. So they're actually they're letting one or two sessions or their perception of one or two sessions dictate that the entire training block was, you know, I never put my best effort in. And that can be equally damaging, I think. It really can. Um, and you know what? It can go the other way as well. As in, you know, like if we talk about training block as 112 days, so let's just call each day worth 1%. 
you know, if you have two or three days in that 112 days, that's only two or three percent that you might not have had to, to the perfect level. I think that's okay. Um, but you can actually go the other way where, you know, maybe yeah. you do the long run and you do it too hard, which then affects your interval session. It's about sometimes you can you can actually crush your confidence by pushing too hard. It's about all that perspective yeah. and managing the effort. But usually if you then think about it going, well, if only if if you had a training block we only one, two, three, four, five sessions which didn't go the way you wanted, you've had a really good training block, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They kind of some people set an expectation of a hundred percent, don't they? And it's a hundred percent perfection in training is just not really achievable. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that old thing about perfection's enemy good, and you know, you never. There's no such thing as perfection when it comes to your ability to um, deliver a training block. And in fact, I would even go as far as to say, if you you had a hundred percent perfect training block, there might be a chance where you haven't stretched yourself enough. You should be you should be trying to experience elements of fatigue and failure in your training block yeah. to replicate what's yeah. going to happen in the race. And you know we'll do that often. That's why you have back to back runs, or you have double days, or you have long sessions where you're running to you're running to um, failure. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I think that's a good point, James. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that what you're doing is just hard, no matter where you are in the field. If you're taking on any ultra, they're just hard to do. And it can be easy to think it's you've done something wrong or you haven't trained enough. It's not. You're just doing something that's really quite difficult to do. Um, and that can be quite damaging to confidence too. Um, so, yeah, I'd add one more thing maybe to talk about, James, and then you can add in anything that you might have as well. But I was keen to talk about uh, some tools, right? So what stuff do you think um, we maybe have easy access to without any kind of great effort that is going to help us um, to consistently build our confidence in our running and we've probably touched on I think you've touched on a few already um, probably the most obvious one initially is about being quite clear and maybe bold but also realistic about your goals um, I wondered then if you had any other thoughts about what, what, what small tools can we have through our training or even just in the race itself that can help us to continue to build our confidence I think tool one is um, practicing your racecraft. Um, I talk to athletes a lot about this. Um, even if you're running a hundred mile, rocking up at a park run, doing a five k, just replicating that feeling of pushing yourself and also giving yourself some good data as to where your current condition is, I think can make a big difference. Um, because if we talk about it like a training block. Again, back to that sixteen weeks. Just using that as the example, that's over a hundred days. Where every every single bit of training you do is in service of this one day at the end of it. So much can happen to take that one day offside. Having yeah. some having some indicators as you go through about where your current level is will help you give you back to that realistic self talk. Whether it's realistic positive, realistic negative, it doesn't really matter. Both of them can be a jolt to get you your comfortable reality. You know, your comfortable reality might be I'm here, but actually. A race where you don't perform might be enough to make you re double down on your efforts or reevaluate your your yeah, yeah. expectations, or it might also inspire you to double down your efforts and also yeah. reevaluate your um, expectations to the positive, right? So I think yeah. that's that's yeah. a big one. I think the second one is is replicating in your in your training, um, especially in your training, is replicating the conditions in which you're going to you're going to race. Um, and that might be practicing your nutrition, practicing your hydration, running on the same terrain and all that stuff. So that when it, when it happens in the race day, something that happens, you've kind of already got some, um, you've already got some strategies for dealing with it, whether it's a negative mindset, you know, so you might get into a negative mindset and the thing that gets out of it might be listening to a specific song or taking a specific action. Um, and when you're in a positive mindset, how you how you um, galvanize and, and, and take advantage of that. And then the, the, the last thing I would say in your training is, is absolutely, absolutely um, experience failure like, and, and expect it. I, I'll genuinely think if, you, if, you've a, if you've not had a few sessions in your training where you went, that was really, really hard and I fell short of where I wanted to be today, you probably haven't maximized your training block. Um, and look at your training with that perspective to go did did i put myself in enough areas of discomfort where i feel like i've pushed myself to the level i can because if i have then my expectations into the race should be built on really really good data as opposed to yeah guesswork 
yeah um and just forgive yourself a wee bit more um all the way yeah. through it yeah. yeah yeah a bit of compassion is quite important i think oh, the yeah. only other one for for me was really about and we talked we talked about it quite a number of times actually at xp it's actually about taking the action it's really easy to dream it's really easy to have good intentions and i'm going to get up every day and get earlier i'm going to do that mobility at night time and whatever and it's so easy you, you do it for a day or two and then it's like those are the things that really build confidence and really um provide a, a, a positive outcome from your training if if you actually take the action and stop you know just telling people that's what you're going to do or telling yourself that's what you're going to do and i think there's always that risk when when you make a promise to yourself as well i think and like most of the training unless you've got a coach most of your training you're being honest to yourself aren't you because your your coach yeah. isn't out there when you're pushing up that hill or whatever and they don't know what the conditions are like so it's very hard for me to say james put in 100 percent effort there so you're you're making a promise to yourself and when you when you break that promise once or twice or you do it once or twice a week i think that becomes hugely damaging to your confidence eventually because it gives you an easy out when you're actually in the race as well doesn't it things aren't going that well so maybe i'll just be lucky to finish i'm just going to cruise this in it's not my day kind of thing when even the session you talked about there at the weekend you you could have easily cruised that session in no problem you'd have been under no pressure from me no pressure from anybody else it was the right decision but actually you'd probably made a promise to yourself and you wanted to get it done and um yeah i think it's quite important to have that integrity maybe is that what you would call it with, with yourself that if you're making a promise that you're going to do something you kind of have to follow through because when you start breaking it then you you break it so easy i think ah, that's 100%. I, you know what that's a really 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 good point there yeah, it's 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 so easy for it to become a habit right yeah, yeah, like yeah. Missing a session, and I think you're right. I think that use the word integrity. I think there's self integrity, which is maybe a concept we can explore. Um, because if you if you're not honest with yourself, you're definitely not going to be honest with your coach and those around you, which means you're probably not going to be honest with your intentions because you start to build that kind of external pressure about expectation. So example B, and you might skip a session because you just couldn't be bothered but you say they'll get your homework you've got some sort of reason plausible reason as you say coach isn't sitting there with you so you might say i've got the cold i'm not feeling well but you've just skipped it because you just couldn't be bothered um and then mm. that becomes a habit so maybe that maybe only one in seven or eight sessions you skip but that's enough to have an impact but then when the going gets tough that mindset the, the skipper's mindset if you like actually might mm. become your competitor's mindset and then you just go, well, it's, you know, you, you just basically lower your standards. Because effectively, I think, you, you talk about action, it's back to, we, we talked about the, the kind of three C's, you know, you, you basically, we talked about the three C's of um, confidence um, or, or self-talk. And um, we talked about it being, you have to identify the change, commit to it, and then consistently go after it. And training, we talk about training, but actually all training really is in sports terms, practice. We're practicing for the race. And we're building the fitness to be able to do the race. And when it comes to 100 mile races or plus, you can't really practice that in training. So you're practicing, yeah. a lot of your training is practicing, giving you the mentality to do that yeah, as well as yeah. the physicality. Um, and if you, you view your training as practice, do you think Andy Murray says, I'm not going to go out and practice my forehand today? Because it's usually all right. And, you know, no, he's in there trying to get those marginal gains, you know, so that. He only misses one in a hundred forehands as opposed to two in a hundred forehands and two in a hundred forehands doesn't seem like a big miss. You know, it's like one more in a hundred. It doesn't make a difference. That one he yeah. might miss might have been the difference between an Olympic gold and an Olympic silver. And yeah. that's at that yeah. upper echelons of the sport. But it's the same for everyone else. So yeah, I think action, practice and honesty three really, really good things. Okay. Did you have anything that you that I maybe haven't covered james anything in particular from the sprints i know you listened again uh this morning or yesterday um there, there was it's one, been a while since we did it obviously there was one action that i think you asked people to do and i think it was a third sprint um that mm -hmm. on the on the back of listening to this one i would encourage people who who did it first time round to revisit what they wrote <clears throat> and then i would encourage people who haven't done it to um maybe do it for the first time so I might not get my language 100% right here, but for people listening, I, I'm going to do this this week leading up to my race, and this is why I'm encouraging people to do it, because I think it's it's timeless and repeatable. 
an action you talked about was, you know, you had your positive and negative column. And you're yeah. right, you know, where your current mindset is and what's in the positive column. So you might go in the positive column for me, going into the race this weekend, let's do it. Is is my training's went really well. I'm feeling quite energized. My numbers are in, in good shape. They're as good as they've been um, in any of the yeah. previous years. Um, going into the same race last year, I was carrying a calf injury that had been dogging me all winter. I don't have any of that. Yada, 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 yada. In the negative mm. column, I might write a few a few things and then go, right, okay, how do, I, how do I grab hold of the positive and make sure I take that with me? And then how do I manage or what's my risk strategies for managing the negative? So the negative might be is, is inevitably in a 100-mile race, at some point I'm going to be sick at some point. So yeah. how do I manage yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Um. And I bought ginger loaf. By the way, that's one of my, my mm-hmm. strategies, right? I was like, oh, I've not had that for years, and I've seen it in a restaurant. I was like, that's perfect because it's. I like a bit of bread. Look who doesn't in an ultra. Um. And it's got <laughs> ginger in it. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you can then look at those negatives and go, well, what's my my strategy for managing that? Um. But I think that I think that's a really good exercise, Paul, that we should draw up for people to do. But we should draw up at the start of a training block and going what's the positives going into this and what's the negatives revisit it halfway through going have a have a reduced the negatives them and have yeah, yeah. the yeah. positives um, because I think it's a it's an exercise that just evolves with your block or evolves with your, your year and evolves with your, your mind and it's something that you can visit as a race strategy and visit as a um, as a training and, a, and dare I say a life strategy as well so um, yeah, I would encourage people to revisit that exercise because it was one I found most useful through the whole the whole sprint series. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. It actually made me think of um, last year. Uh, Alice was doing the West Highland Way, and she didn't have a good race. Um, she really wasn't having a good time at Bridge of Orkey or whatever. Um, and then she could have somebody running with her. I think Graham would maybe run with her over to Kinloch Leaving. Then I was going to take her in from Kinloch Leaving. Uh, to Fort William, which was fine, and uh, going up that climb, Kinloch leaving, she was not in a great place, couldn't really eat anything, don't want to eat anything, and don't feel that great, don't want to eat anything, and the weather was horrendous up there, they finally get to Landavra, and maybe because she hadn't been in that situation in her training, it was kind of like, it was obvious to me, because I was fresh, and my mind was working fine, and I've been there before, obviously, it was like, you need to get something here, Alice, you need to eat some of these salty crisps, and you need to have some coke and whatever. Yeah. And I forced that and within fifteen minutes we were running the rest of the way into Fort William and, and, and that was it. So there's definitely something in that practicing and maybe like you say, actually thinking about what I'm going to do when those things inevitably crop up. So inevitably I'm going to feel low on energy or inevitably I'm going to feel like I can't eat anything. What am I going to do to to remedy that and um, that's a really interesting point I think that maybe we could be doing more with, with our own athletes sometimes about that as well yeah 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 definitely it's, I mean you can call it positive negatives right or yeah. you could call it opportunities and threats right and the opportunities is my trainers went really well blah 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 and the threat is is that I might have energy deficit I might not be thinking clearly I'm going to be tired I'm going to be sleep deprived right and then going so what I need to do is is I need to say to people in advance use that as an example of what you did with Alice you, you've got trust with Alice, right? So she's what she's going to listen to you. She's respecting your experience. So she's almost said, I'm subcontracting my thinking to you. See if you mm. see me and I'm in a bonk situation. Tell me I'm in a bonk situation and force food in me. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes even like just managing those threats or risks or whatever it might be, because ultimately the threats and the risks, if left un, unmanaged, just become negative self-talk, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a really good way of managing them. Yeah, have you got crew for the weekend, James? Yes. Um. So I mean, look, there's a whole bunch of people there we know. Um. People that yeah. um we run alongside loads of time and stuff as well. But my dad's not coming down for this weekend. So um, I've got Sarah Sawyer who's running the race. Her um husband Tom's going to look sure. after her and her. Um, Sarah's got a friend there as well. Um, and like. I'm really easy to crew for a hundred mile race around a track because it's like every half hour throw me some food and then on the other on the hour throw me a drink and then yeah. repeat repeat until eventually I just go ah oh, I don't know what I can take um, and eventually it just becomes tactical so the strategy you go in with is is eat in a half hour drink on the hour simple as that get your carbs and your your nutrition and your hydration in with that 
and then we move to the tactical, which is just have a bunch of stuff on the table that I'll grab depending on how I'm feeling after about after about hundred k. It tends to yeah. be the more tactical solution, um, a tactical yeah. solution. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, mate. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say about the podcast formats and the sprints, and maybe thoughts on what we might do next, or an ask for anybody who's listening? I, I think an ask for anyone who's listening is is like we change the format. Like a lot of what a lot of podcasts do is is. I mean, this is a long listen. This particular one, you know, you look at podcasts and they look maybe two hours long. I I personally struggle with that now, even if I'm out running for three or four hours, because I just like variety in what I'm listening to if I'm out. So we changed tack to boards being ten minutes, and and in that kind of trying to be provocative and thought provoking. Um, so would love for people to give us some feedback about what they've heard, whether it works for them, and also if there's any subjects they would like us to tackle based on what they might know about you and I, um, or what might be on their mind. Um, we'll be working up the next series of sprints. Um, I guess they come pretty soon. Um, yeah. got some ideas, but um, we'd love to hear from people if there's anything they want us to consider as a topic. Um, and I loved Paul the medley you put together. It's a bit status quo. <laughs> um, you know, it was a bit, a bit of a rough cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it worked really well. Um, I, I say a bit status quo because a mate of mine went to see um Paul Rogers, who's a singer with Free, backing up status quo many many years ago. We're talking like twenty odd years ago. He said in status quo, he says, I'll stay for status quo. And they come out and they done a medley of their greatest hits for the first song. <laughs> so I just left after that. <laughs> that was um, that's all, all you needed to listen to. <laughs> rocking all over the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd love for people to give us some feedback about what works and what doesn't. Um, and we'll consider that for the next series. Cool. Okay. That's a good point to wrap it up, I think. Uh, thanks so much, James, for taking the time to do this. I know... You've obviously got a lot on this week. Um, I hope the rest of your week goes super smoothly uh, and you have a great day on Saturday. And um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be tracking you and sending our best and uh, look forward to speaking to you after the race and we'll get on with some more podcasts. Cheers, mate. I'm looking forward to it and I'll catch you later in the week without a doubt. Okay. You've been listening to the Pylon Ultra Pod. Uh, I'm Paul Giblin. And I'm James Stewart. Kaboom. If you'd like to know more about working with Pylon, from coaching to training plans, events to our Endeavour projects, the podcast or plans for the future, please do get in touch. You'll find us on social media at Pylon Ultra. We also have a Facebook group called Team Pylon, if you fancy checking that out too. We're also doing 15% off our collaboration with Sport on our Pylon Tops, if you fancy showing some support on the trails, road or track. Uh, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Cheers, bye.